Good morning. Sunday morning. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and happy Easter. This is Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron Beerline, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful northern Virginia. And this is Wrong Think Radio. This is our two-hour live program that we put on every single week to bring you guys our facts and analysis of what's going on in the world, examining the news, examining the headlines, and getting through all the BS so you can understand what's really going on, especially... In fights like what have been happening this week, where I'm not going to lie, it feels a lot like the mask is just falling off. (laughs) I mean, to the point where yesterday on our phone call that we have, you know, to kind of prep the show and everything for today, I flat out told Alan, I was like, hey, um, I feel like this is an op because it's it's just too easy. Like, it shouldn't be this easy. I'm, I'm, I'm getting suspicious. Uh, so for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, well, actually it's like several stories, like almost every story that we're going to be covering today throughout the show, sorry, uh, covers down on, um, just like the left being exactly what we said the left was, uh, which is, it's a very interesting situation, uh, especially because I'm seeing actually a lot of regular everyday people that are waking up to the nonsense. And I don't know a better way to say it. Like, I would love this to be like some sort of ideological victory where we're able to sit there and say, Hey, you know, principles like freedom and patriotism and individuality are really just winning the arguments. Well, no, I mean, not to be cynical about it, but that's not what's happening in reality. Everyone's just looking at the other side of the aisle and going, those people are crazy. I don't want to be a part of that. (laughs) So it's not an ideological win per se. (laughs) It's just by comparison, we look like logical people in the room because we're not like, hey, but diddling kids. Am I right? Um, (laughs) So uh, anyway, it it is Easter. It's Easter Sunday. So it is the celebration of the resurrection of Christ when he was crucified, died and rose for all of our sins to include even the neckbeards, the normies and the neocons. So... Congratulations, everyone. Even if you don't believe in him, he believes in you. <laughs> Sorry, that was a great reaction. Um, no, I, I, I actually, obviously, like, you know, Christianity-wise, Easter's like the big holiday, right? It's It's the big celebration. But personally, my favorite aspect of Holy Week is actually Good Friday. Um... And it's, it's Good Friday because, like, one of the great messages that comes out of the New Testament is the idea that Christ walked among man and that that Christ experienced the full experience of of being being human, for lack of a better term. Um, and it's such a such an interesting story because of everything like throughout basically throughout all of the Gospels and everything, it's it's facing situations that were that are faced by people in every single day 
you know, the trials and tribulations of everyday life of living on this earth, living amongst other people, uh, temptations, you know, disappointments, uh, you know, just being within a society uh, that, you know, that isn't really necessarily going going along the ways that it should be or, or not, you know, the, the hypocrisy of the governments and just just all of these different stories and trials and, you know, illness and sickness and all this other stuff. But all of it culminates in the son of God. And in reality, so think about this. You have you have the you have the vengeful God of the Old Testament who like drowned the world because it was pissing him off and doing all the wrong things and turned Sodom and Gomorrah into pillars of salt or pillars of ash, um, you know, because they were defying him so much. And as you have Christ getting beaten and kicked and spit on and you know, dragged through the streets and being made to carry his own, his own cross up a hill, all of these things. What is it? He says, um, you know, like what, what is the overall message? Uh, forgive them. They know not what they do. It's such a cool, it's, it's, it's such a, it's such a cool lesson to be learned because think about that for a second. Like every, every single one of the people that are involved, you know, the disciples and, um, you know, and, and Christ himself, it's like, th- these are, these are people who have thoroughly read religious texts, like it's especially Jesus himself, you know, you, you sit there and it's like, oh no, there's, there's this vengeful God who could send like the archangels down and just, you know, ruin everybody's day, <laughs> you know, as it were. And he goes, no, don't, I, I need to do this. And he is then subjected to a horrific, painful, and awful torture, ultimately leading to a suffocating, terrible, terrible death. And chose to do that. Why? Because he wanted to face the thing that gods never have to face, but every man does. And that's death. The scariest thing and the reason why mankind does a lot of what it does is its own survival and its own, you know, ability, its own survival and, and obviously longevity. The thing we fear the most, death. And Christ experienced that with us to be closer to us. And then give us the gift of resurrection and everlasting life. It's a cool story. That's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> Or not story, but you know what I mean. It's it's just a great it's a great lesson to be out there. It's a great it's a great thing to hear um, every single year after Lent and all this other stuff. Just really cool things, and I, I really enjoy it. And and by the way, I'll ask you this question, Alan, because I'm I'm interested in it. Um, I have always loved that, regardless of a lot of people's religion, their faith, their beliefs, all of these things, a lot of people practice Lent just for the ability to challenge themselves of sacrificing something. And I've always thought that that was neat. Um, and I, I was obviously, I grew up Catholic. I actually knew a lot of people that hated that that was happening. They, they couldn't stand it. They took it as like almost an offense. And I, I guess I, I thought I'd ask you like, what do you think of stuff like that? Cause I've always thought that that was really cool. Yeah, like, like, did it ever bother you that people, like, even if they were, say, atheist or just, like, not, not people who have any sort of faith were like, oh, yeah, I'm going to give up something for 40 days because it's Lent. 
Like this used to bother people I grew up with that were Catholics that were like, they're not even Catholic. And I was like, who cares? This is cool. Yeah, I just I thought it was neat because a lot of people I knew were all kind of practicing the same thing for no other reason than like, well, yeah, I want to try that. And it's like, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so <clears throat> I say this because um, uh, I, I had a call with some people uh, for work and then people were talking about like how excited they were to not have to give stuff up. But these are people that I very solidly know don't really have or practice any sort of religion, one of which is absolutely an atheist, but gives up something every single year for Lent. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm okay with it. I just thought I thought it was really cool. Um, anyway, so uh, other than that, fun stuff going on. Okay, so... We have a lot of different stories. There's obviously the Elon Musk stuff that's going on with Twitter, which is causing just uh, basically it's causing a deep exposure of everything that's happening within the left and happening, you know, out, out basically with the left and media and I don't know, call it the deep state. Um, it's all that's all being exposed um, through the reactions of, uh, I don't know, terror over Elon Musk taking over Twitter, but we also have a lot of other situations that are happening kind of on the outside because this one is um, grabbing onto the headlines a lot. So it's kind of covering some other stuff. So I think I'm going to actually start in my hometown or at least outside of my hometown, the nearest city to my little town, which is Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is currently facing some Black Lives Matter protests, very small ones. But there was a shooting that occurred uh, with a Grand Rapids police officer uh, and a uh, a guy who was trying to grab his taser. Doesn't really matter, right? Like we've one. If there's one thing we've learned, it was nothing actually matters about what really occurred because you're never going to agree on that. The left is always going to say it was totally unjustified. You're going to sit there and try to justify it. Blah blah blah. Who cares? Point is, a cop shot a black guy. So obviously there's an entire network of activists that should be marching in the streets all throughout America and burning cities down because, because why Alan? Because black lives matter. Oh my gosh. I've been talking to Alan this whole time and Alan has been muted um, oh, shit. on my end, on my end. Not oh, on good. Um, me. I'm so glad I just, I was... uh, I was so worried that I had forgotten to unmute myself, and that would have been a very silly thing for me to do. Yeah, instead I forgot to un- – I didn't unmute you, and it was a very silly thing to do. So, mm. um, We're good. But, Alan, Alan, so why – Yeah? Let me ask you again. So, so why should there be these nationwide protests? Because black lives matter. Mm-hmm. I don't so, know if you know this, but they matter, all right? Yeah. You need to know that they matter. Um, you know that they matter because they do. <laughs> now, there's <laughs> there's a video going around um, of, yeah, obviously, protesters are blocking traffic because, of course, they are. And uh, a car is trying to get through. And a member of the protest block of Black Lives Matter protesters in Grand Rapids um, is uh, pulls out pulls out a pistol 
and uh, charges the weapon, meaning that he, he, as people say, he cocks it. Um, and uh, points, uh, basically has his gun at his side and gets the uh, driver to go away, to get out of their way. Uh, so that's happening, so, but it's a very seemingly small-scale protest, and I'm, I have to ask myself again, is where's this nationwide network? A black man was shot by police. They're claiming that it was unjustified. They're saying he was shot in the back, you know, uh, because obviously a racist cop was just waiting for the excuse to kill another uh, black guy who was, who was probably going to be a doctor, um, you know, yeah. or, you know, cure cancer or who the hell knows. Um Certainly wasn't a criminal that punched a pregnant woman, except he was um, one of the assault charges uh, for. I don't have his name in front of me. I'm sorry. Do you do you remember his name? I tend not to remember the names. Mm-hmm. Do we have I to do. wait until after canonization when he's actually become a saint? And then we learn. I believe name. that is the rules. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, we have another George Floyd. Wow. Um, yeah. We have a we have another saint. Um, so let's ask ourselves, uh, Alan, why isn't Black Lives Matter having a national uh, like where, where where is the group of people that are supposed to be standing against this type of behavior um, that rushed out uh, in the streets over Michael Brown, over George Floyd, over um, whatever that situation was in Georgia? I can't remember the guy's name. Where where are all of these uh where are all of these incidents? What's what's going on? Where's Black Lives Matter? They're probably cowering in their what was it six million dollar mansion mm-hmm. that they bought with the uh, donations that they had been given. Certainly, certainly that's one aspect of it. Hmm, fascinating. Yeah, it's it's weird. Um, I would say that I find it very interesting uh, that they're nowhere to be found, and Joe Biden's president. You know, that is interesting. And if mm. I were the conspiratorial sort, I would use that as <laughs> evidence of some kind of nefarious activity by the by the group. So I think it's very obvious that um, what what I what I'm getting at, and what I'm driving at, what you guys, what you people in the audience are going to realize is you are actually seeing some uh, faction fighting um, that's going on among the liberals. Um and the what's happening here is there are members of the media that obviously want this story to go national. They've been kind of chomping at the bit, as it were, uh, to try to get another national story so they can all live back in their. I'm also a civil rights protester. It's just like I'm marching with Dr. King, um, you know, or whatever. Uh, they want to have another one of the, those situations where they get to talk about how America is horribly racist, but they are the you know the way the truth and the light of you know neo progressive whatever the hell uh, neoliberalism but they're not yeah. doing that so you have all of these contingents in the media that are trying to make this a big story but you're not getting a reaction out of the activist groups that typically are the ones that take the marching orders and start going so the way that most people in the audience and let me explain believe that this goes down is the mainstream media gets a story, which is like a questionable shooting by police against a black man. They then publish that story and the activists over at Black Lives Matter see that story and go, what the hell, man? 
here it is again. We have to stand up for people's rights and they get their activist groups together. They send all the news out. Everybody goes out to the protest. They gather together. They march and they protest and they demand justice. No justice, no peace, right? No that's, justice, no peace. That's how people believe this goes down. But it is becoming painfully obvious, and we've known this, and I'm sure a lot of people in the audience know this. That is not how that's worked ever. And it's obvious to us now, using the example of what's going on in Grand Rapids. The reason why I say that is the news is trying to report it, but nobody <laughs> cares. Because Black Lives Matter never took their orders from the media. They never were a reactionary group of people that were responding to news items uh, that were coming out. They are 100% a political arm of the Democrat Party. Why aren't there large-scale Black Lives Matter protests occurring because of the shooting in Grand Rapids, Michigan? That's easy. Because the Democrats are doing terrible it's an election year, and as evidenced by a phone call that we covered on this program just after the 2020 election, there was a phone call uh, among Democrat representatives in the House of Representatives where there were large discussions with um, Cong uh, Congress members such as Abigail Spamberger out of Virginia where they flat out said, you need to stop with the anti-police and defund the police rhetoric. I almost lost my seat because of this. Now you have Democrats polling lower than they really ever have. Joe Biden has one of the worst approval ratings in history going into a midterm election. So the Democrat Party is telling Black Lives Matter to sit down and shut up. And that's one thing. But it's a completely different thing when we turn around and look at it and say, Black Lives Matter is listening. Yeah. So how does that feel, Black Lives Matter protester or person who donated to them? How does it feel to know that a rich millionaire white woman living in San Francisco, Nancy Pelosi, is telling your entire network of people what to do? It's got to be real weird. And they're listening. Yeah. I think that I, I think that this is amazing because if if you're one of the if you're one of those people that got really into the whole BLM stuff, if you're basically kind of one of those one of those activist types, right? If you're a member of the activist class, you're probably sitting on social media and you're, you know, in groups and you follow people and what have you that discuss a lot of this stuff. And so like during George Floyd and everything else, you've ba you basically became part of an information network. Well, those activists currently have to be sitting there going, okay, guys, we have one like this yeah. because just so, just so everyone's aware this situation, because I, I can see, and no offense, no offense to any of these people, but I, I can see some people, even members of our audience, who are going to try to rationalize why BLM's not responding to this shooting. And they're going to say things like, well, well, you know, he was like reaching for the taser. And so there's like a lot of good reason why the like why the officer would have shot. And there was a legitimate reason to pull him over. And, you know, guy had a really violent record. Dude, every situation has been almost exactly like that. And we've had protests. Yeah. So 
I understand that that's like our natural thing to want to do uh, in our heads, but that's not like that's 100 percent not true because they don't care about those. We know for a fact they don't care about those things like the details do not matter. Um, The point I'm making, though, is that there has to be a ton of activists that are sitting there like, okay, guys, so like, what are we going to do? And somewhere the like global network of BLM is like, shut up. Please just, just don't say anything. Yeah. And that's, that's not going to go well. I I can't imagine that it would. Now I know it's going to sound mean for me to say this, but in a way what I'm actually kind of hoping for is I'm hoping that a lot of these people get super angry and decide that they're going to like, well, we remember how to set this stuff up. We did it for George Floyd in the summer, you know, the 2022 summer of love. So we're going to just do it anyway. And then Democrats reaction to it has to be deploy the national guard, tear gas them and beat them in the face because we can't Uh, have this getting out. That's going to be wild. If that happens, Mm Mm-hmm. Because that's something that's, I mean, that's something that a lot of people wanted to have happen, but we never were able to really get that in reality. No, it'll be amazing because like, you're going to see these kinds of protests. Like if it, if it happens, if uh, somehow these activists get a mind of their own. Yeah. You will see violent reactions from the from the Democrat Party because they cannot have that kind of PR heading into 2022. They cannot have it. So they will violently react. Um, if you want to get real conspiratorial about it, if there is pushback from these activists and they all start marching and then there's violent reactions uh, from Democrat cities to try to quell it down so it doesn't make mainstream media news. um. I would actually start getting nervous that the administration, the Biden administration would absolutely lie and claim that this whatever new magical variant they just came up with is so super bad. We have to lock back down. Yeah. <laughs> Got a lockdown for the Black Lives Matter protest. Oh, yeah. no. I mean, it's COVID. Yeah. It's well, the... that's the thing. They didn't lock down for him last time. Well, right, but they weren't in office then. That's also true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they didn't it's lock down then. It's wild that you have to discuss it like this, which is pretty strange when you think <laughs> yeah. about it. What we're not discussing at all is the validity of a protest, the validity of the complaint. It's all sitting there like, okay, but like we know the Democrats are lying, and since they're not reacting the normal way, we have to surmise like, Oh, so how come they're not doing it now? Because we know that they're not arguing in good faith ever. We just need to figure out what the lie is. Yeah, pretty much. So, like, yeah, fascinating situation to have to sit there and and kind of go over. But um, there are some protests, like I said. There's uh, some videos that I saw from Grand Rapids where they were trying to, like, storm the Amway Grand Hotel, which is a large hotel Uh, They're in the city. They're blocking traffic. But other than that, well, and by the way, the only way I'm seeing that is via Twitter. You know, citizen journalists basically on Twitter. Um, I'm not seeing this really being reported. Um, Well, I did, to be fair, uh, I did see some of it being reported in red state. uh, But that was 
reporting on a here's somebody that's in Grand Rapids that was videotaping this and posted it on Twitter or Facebook. So social media still very much uh, like citizen journalists or just random you know bystanders on social media are the only way that we are actually seeing that this is occurring. I don't know. I'd have to ask my dad. Um, or if he's even, you know, paying attention at that point, whether or not there's any local news reporting on this. Which to oh. an extent they might have to be like, don't go on Fulton Avenue because it's surrounded by angry people who have guns and they will try to shoot you if you try to drive through it. Uh, that's Who knows? Because I could see it going either way. Yeah. I don't know. So any, any, any closing thoughts on that subject, Alan, anything weird you've got going, uh, anything I may have missed? Not really. It is, it, it's another one of these things that is so incredibly obvious to me, but seems so difficult to discuss with other people is the fact that black lives matter is a political organization. that's linked with the Democrat party and it is not about what it stands for. Like you can look at these, all of these things. And say, well, we had the, Riots from, uh, you know, Trump was an office. It's only when it serves a political end do any of these things matter. Mm-hmm. And that's just, again, it's so obvious to me, but it's clearly not to other people that I'm usually shocked. I had a poll going on Twitter, and I'll ask the audience here if you guys want to weigh in. Uh, how many kids do you think Joe Biden's going to sniff during the White House Easter egg roll? Um, and, and the question was, is it going to be 10? Is it going to be 20 or will it be all of them? Uh, it'll be, yeah, at least, at least one more. (laughs) At least one more. (laughs) There's so not enough. Um, yeah, if I, I, so obviously the, the Easter egg rolls, like a big thing that happens in Washington, DC people, you know, families show up, they bring their kids and they go out, they hunt Easter eggs on the white house lawn. Very cute. Um, I think I think it's it's super neat. Uh, but uh, how many parents do you think actually sat there and thought maybe maybe not this year? Maybe we don't take the kids to the White House Easter egg roll because uh, Biden's creepy. You know there has to be some, but I would say as a counterpoint, I bet there's a lot of people in D.C. that are very much in that as you've called it the D.C. bubble, and I think to them. Any chance to hobnob with the elites, they're going to go for. Even mm. if again, we've, they're willing to sacrifice their kids to transgenderism and drag queen story hour, why not for this too? Yeah, just come on, Timmy. Let the man sniff you. Dad needs a promotion. That's <laughs> <laughs> so gross. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> on Easter Sunday of all days, of all the days, how could you? <laughs> so. Uh... <laughs> Okay, so speaking of hobnobbing with elites um, and and all, all of that, it's – there's so much creepiness. <laughs> just um, – there's there's a lot of uh, a different different stories to – actually, I'm, I'm going to shift gears here because I was going to go down a different road, but we'll hit that in a second. Um, let's talk about the – there was basically – I don't even know what to call it, like a, a mass triggering – um, mm. there was a mass triggering event and it was because Elon Musk is being a troll. Elon Musk was doing Elon Musk things. 
Um, if I'm it, it, full disclosure, I have no idea how to feel about Elon Musk. But with that being said, let me cover a couple things. I don't buy into the whole hero word. I don't think most people do. Um, I think I think social media makes people uh, gives people a false sense of reality. Um, I don't think most people really buy into the hero worship of singular human beings. And the reason why I say that is like, you know, you'll look at people's like social media profiles and they like there was the the joke about the Trump cult and Trump worshipers. And I don't think that those people were like real, meaning like, sure. if you met them in real life, they're not like that. Like they like the president, but they're not like psychopaths. Um, it's the same thing with Elon Musk. Like you're just never going to see me jump behind any singular person as being the savior. Um, and I don't think most people do. I think it seems that way uh, because of how divided things are and how tribal things must be, especially when you're on social media. I'm only saying that because what I don't want is don't distract from what we're about to talk about with all of your opinions about Elon Musk and the, you know, oh, he's actually a leftist. Don't trust him. It's all an op or what. I don't care. <laughs> like, Sure. I, none of that. All that's kind of immaterial to 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 what what I'm getting into. Um, and so just ho- hold that for later. Um, what Elon Musk is doing, though, is he's obviously uh, upset at Twitter or at least wants people to believe he's upset at Twitter. And he took a nine point two percent stake in Twitter uh, by buying. The, you know, he's the majority majority singular stockholder. They offered him a position on the board, which he declined because taking a board position would uh, force him to not be able to speak out about Twitter and force him to have to uh, abide by what they call a fiduciary responsibility, uh, which means he can't do anything that could potentially cause Twitter shareholders to lose money, which kind of means you can't be a dick about it. Um, So he refused the position on the board. Since then... He has basically made an offer to buy Twitter by purchasing all of its stock at a huge premium. Now, average people might look at that and go, okay, you know, and then Twitter says no and who cares? It's actually not how that works. And this is what's very fascinating. And a lot of people may not know this. Um, I, just to give you guys a background on why this is actually a serious thing and why why the, basically why the left is actually so afraid of it because the assumption would be that Twitter just says, screw you, we're not for sale. But they actually can't do that. And let right. me explain why. Um, I brought up the term fiduciary responsibility. When there's a publicly traded company and people own stock in it, the board of directors has an entire job which is to ensure that their stock is profitable for their shareholders. That is their job. That's their livelihood. Um, Mm -hmm. If they, if for whatever reason, the share prices go down and it can be, uh, and it's proven to have been out of malice or out of neglect, you can sue the board of directors. Right. And so you have to understand that when Elon Musk shows up and says, I will give you 50% more than your stock is worth right now, if you sell it to me, shareholders would have seen basically a huge increase in their stock 
It would be an immediate payout of their stock, which could be a good amount of money for a lot of people. Um, And the board says, if the board says no, then they need to be able to have a plan. They have to have a plan that they submit to shareholders that shows how Twitter will become more profitable than that offer. Right. The fiduciary responsibility thing you've been talking about. Yeah. hundred percent. The problem is Twitter's stock isn't doing great. It's been basically flat for years. They don't have a plan to make it more profitable. <laughs> That's exactly. actually why this is a big deal because if they refuse or however it works, they've done this whole poison pill thing. We don't need to get into that. They're fighting back. That's the, that's the end of the road. The deal is though, is basically if they do something that makes it to where they don't sell to Elon Musk, all Elon Musk needs to do is get enough shareholders pissed off that they can all sue the board because they can say Twitter did not like Twitter purposefully kept money out of my pocket <coughs> because of malice. Yeah. That's a big deal. Mhm. And that's why the left is reacting the way they are because it kind of puts Twitter in a corner. So, right. Now, let's get to the reaction part because that's what I really care about. That's the funny part. So Elon Musk is just a guy. And what's really kind of shocking um, about this entire situation is like, I know it's, it's annoying, but I think of it this way. Like, obviously we've seen and We've talked about this before because um, there was some of the Joe Rogan stuff and some of the other things that were going on. We pointed out a while back on this program that we were like, it's weird that the left hates Elon Musk. Like they really... Not sorry. Let me rephrase. Not the left. Um, it, it's weird that the media and the elites in the Democrat Party hate Elon Musk. There's plenty of like regular everyday liberals that think he's great. Right. Um, but there's something strange about the fact that these elites really hate the guy, um, especially sure. because so many of regular like champagne liberals in every major city bought his damn car just to virtue signal how great a people they are. So this has to put some of your everyday liberals in a very weird position because all of a sudden now all the late night comedians, all of the like mainstream media sources are all whining about the evil, like, you know, third Reich reincarnate newest Hitler, Elon Musk. And they're going, Oh God, you know, like how far away are we? Like, how far away are we from Tesla being a symbol of neo-Nazism? Well, considering, like, all the other symbols of neo-Nazism that people keep talking about, it's got to be coming. Yeah, and so we're not very far away from a whole bunch of people being really upset that they spent, like, some obscene amount of money, like $94,000, on a car that their fellow, that their, their fellow you know, friends at the uh, country club are going to see as being a neo-Nazi car. Yeah. But it, it, it's going to have to happen that way. They're going to have to poison every brand that Elon Musk is behind, but people aren't going to... Well, and it's not going to happen. They may try it, but people aren't going to go get rid of a $94,000 car. They're going to be like, eh, yeah, no, you're stop it. Anyway, here's some of the top reactions to Elon Musk uh, offering to buy Twitter. Uh, from Axios, the world's richest man, someone who used to be compared to Marvel's Iron Man, 
is increasingly behaving like a movie supervillain, commanding seemingly unlimited resources with which finance with which to finance his mischief making. Oh, mischief. Oh, geez. Yeah, he's he's a terrible. This is all because why? Because he wants to buy Twitter and the statements that he uses are Twitter is no longer a free speech platform and it should be. And that makes him a Marvel supervillain. Yeah. <laughs> all right. It's very silly. Here's another one from these are these are all verified Twitter accounts, the blue check marks. I'm not going to go through all of their stuff, but these are all like celebrities or journalists or professional whomevers. Right. Just so everyone knows from Jeff Jarvis today on Twitter feels like the last evening in a Berlin nightclub at the twilight of Weimar, Germany. Like, what is that even supposed to mean? Oh, well, it means the Nazis are coming, Alan. Yeah. <laughs> Because, because of free speech. <laughs> not free no, speech. Actually, let me rephrase. It's not because of free speech. Because, because if Elon Musk buys Twitter, then they won't be able to censor people they don't like. Therefore, it's like the Nazis are gonna win. Pretty much, yeah. That's that. That is essentially the point that they are making. My personal favorite. David, David, leave it. If Elon Musk successfully purchased Twitter, it could result in World War Three and the destruction of our planet. And th- and this was not satire. This was not me. satire. Huh. Fascinating. Um, in fact, real quick, this this one I am going to look up uh, because a lot of people were sharing this one and I had I had a fun reaction. Um. So, no, this is a journalist for CBS uh, Yahoo, the Examiner. Yeah, it's a, no, yeah. It's a journalist for CBS Yahoo and the Examiner. Um, so, probably not. But, point is, I actually said, my, my statement on this was, um, what this guy is saying is true. If Elon Musk does successfully purchase Twitter, it would result in World War Three. And potentially the destruction of our planet. And let me explain why. Hmm. Because the what we're seeing here, very obviously, and we'll go through more of these reactions in a second. The left is terrified over the idea of Elon Musk purchasing Twitter because it is, well, number one, I've talked about this before. 99% of journalists use Twitter as their main source. Right. 100%. This, this is how new newsrooms get their information from Twitter. It's actually really sad when you realize it. It is really sad when you realize that journalism is people sitting in their apartment in New York, living off of a trust fund and scrolling through Twitter all day. <laughs> I'm that is an accurate description of most journalism, which is hilarious. That yeah. That's even a thing like, uh, there was some study done. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but there is like it. It's an insane amount of like leftist journalism in the United States is all written by trust fund kids in like Manhattan. <laughs> like the people who report the news are not in the same area of society of the people who read their news. 
They are literally not. trust fund kids in like upper Manhattan. It's wild. Yeah, it's bananas, man. Like <clears throat> just well, just to give you guys an idea out there in an audience, how expensive is it to live in New York? You have to make a lot of I would money. Considerably expensive. Yeah. So notice that a lot of Huffington Post and uh, NBC, CBS, ABC, blah, 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 blah. They all live in New York City. Can you afford to live in New York? Probably I not. I cannot. So is that person like you? Absolutely not. Um, but the point is, this would happen. This is true. Because journalists right now, A, they use Twitter as their main source. B, Twitter is entirely policed by the psychotic and fringe left out on the coasts. All of the people that moderate Twitter are psychotic activist leftists. They block stories. They cover up things for elections. They ban accounts of people who are actually running for elected office. They accidentally will ban their accounts um, at crucial times. Twitter and other social media platforms and big tech are able to influence elections. And they know that this is how social media is how most people get their information. And so the idea of Elon Musk buying it and saying, we're not going to do all this nonsense, uh, content moderation is causing a screech fest on the left. It's, Mm-hmm. The only people afraid of free speech are the people that are afraid that if people have an open, honest discussion of things, it won't turn out in their favor. And it's exactly why they call free speech fascist and right wing, It mean, which is true, because if people were allowed to have unfettered and unmoderated discussions, the right wing would win. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's as simple as that. If people were allowed to freely and openly discuss things, nobody would be left wing because it would be, it would, it would break the conditioning and expose how pretty much the entire left wing movement is nothing but a front for corporations, the elites, the world economic forum, all to usher in some horrific new world order on the rest of us. Well, and, and what's, what's fascinating about that is, yeah. So, What's becoming obvious here is the left is terrified over the idea of, well, never mind. The information spectrum and how the left wants it, their big fear in reality. Because there's nobody protesting the blocking of a social media account that just, like, says racial pejoratives all the time. Like, nobody cares if that person gets banned from, you know, uh, uh, from Twitter. Like, there's nobody who's like, oh, geez. Like, that's not it. What people are mad about is, like, they banned libs of TikTok for hateful content because they're posting embarrassing videos of teachers that are going on TikTok like morons and posting videos where they're like, I'm going to indoctrinate your kids and I'm going to make your kids gay. Ha, ha, ha. And I hope that it makes you cry. They're posting what liberals are saying to other in a room, basically, uh, that they think only other liberals are. And they're going, this is who the left is. This is how the left feels about you. 
Those are the people that they need to ban because people will realize, oh my God, these people are crazy. I don't want to have anything to do with them. The entire information spectrum for the left and their biggest fear is that Americans, if given all of the information, would not arrive at the conclusion that the left wants them to reach. Everything about how information is disseminated in the United States, controlled by all of these leftist corporations, the entire purpose of it is to only give people information that would force them to have to reach the conclusion that they want them to. But it has to feel like they reached it on their own. Yes. Now, understand that for a second. They only want you to read information that would result in you already reaching the conclusion they want. And that's why you see uh, counter-narratives getting banned. That's why you see stories like the Hunter Biden laptop getting banned. Because you're not going to reach the conclusion they want you to. They made this mistake in 2016 by not going after social media. And that's what allowed people to reach the wrong conclusion. And that was that Hillary Clinton was super corrupt and electing her was a terrible idea for America. We heard as much when Google had a meeting after the election and the directors and the vice presidents were standing up there crying and saying, we don't know what happened. We have to do better. Yeah. Google took the election of Donald Trump as a failure, as a business failure. Which means that there was a business strategy for which they could fail. Sorry, the the whole thing Uh, is the reactions that we're seeing here kind of shows, because remember when we were like, oh, this is bullshit. Twitter got rid of uh, Donald Trump. Everybody went, they're a private company. They're a private company. This is very obvious. They are not a private company. Oh, well, it's and it's obvious when when you look at the people that own Twitter, like you have all these names started coming up. You have BlackRock, the giant company that owns everything and is behind the basically behind the Federal Reserve and behind funding a lot of left wing activist stuff. Vanguard. You have Saudi princes. You have all of these people suddenly came out of the woodwork, all aligned with the goal of preventing Elon Musk from buying Twitter simply because he simply because he represented a threat. And that threat was he is going to get in the way of us curating the information that people see, and that is going to be a negative to all of our business and social engineering initiatives. Yeah. So There's that, and then there's, let's see. Uh, oh, okay. Here's here here's another good reaction here. Um, the Washington from the Washington Post, Musk's appointment to Twitter's board shows that we need regulation of social media platforms to prevent rich people from controlling cha- our channels of communication. <laughs> N- need I remind you? That 
the Washington Post is owned by Jeff Bezos. Yeah. You know, the owner of Amazon, the guy who was the richest man in the world before Elon Musk passed him. Get it? Yeah. Oh, no, it'd be super bad if a billionaire owned the means of communication, says the... Well, like you've pointed out to me the last few days, the MS in MSNBC stands for Microsoft. Yep. Billionaires own the, already own the means of communication, and they're trying to hide it from us because they don't want us to know that. And they get very annoyed when someone says, hey, well, what if we just had free and open sharing of information? Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's going to get in the way of my business initiatives, and it's going to prevent me from being able to have a be the secretive hidden hand that runs the markets. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Like, no, it's it's... That's it. It is absolutely. What else do we have here? Uh, please note that Tesla and Musk have their own troll farm. A very, very bad sign. Only a douchebag needs a troll farm. I don't even know what that means. And I don't um, know this person who wrote that doesn't know what that means. Yeah, they have is... a troll farm. What? They're 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 funding a bunch of people in the third world to sit on Twitter and harass other like opposing viewpoints. I don't think that's happening. I think what that is is someone saying, he's got a troll farm, as in there's a bunch of people that agree with Elon Musk that I hate, and those people comment negatively when I post takes on Twitter like all white people should die. No, hundred. so 100%. But th this is actually revelatory. Why would you think, like, why would you go to a conclusion that somebody has a, quote, troll farm? In other words, they hire a bunch of people on social media. Well, this happens to be Pam Keith Esquire. Um, who I think was some failed political candidate in Florida, um, but doesn't matter. Uh, she's she's kind of a regular blue check liberal. Uh, why would you why would that be your initial conclusion? Oh, that's actually easy uh, because that's what Democrats do. They actually do hire a whole bunch of people to repeat talking points on Twitter. We show it every time that there's some big national event. We will regularly share all of the accounts that are saying the same thing. That is what a troll farm is. And the Democrats yeah. use this. It's actually part of of their campaign strategies. Um but here here she she goes on. Dear e because uh, Elon Musk tweeted out, you know, I made an offer. Here's her response. Dear Elon, fuck off. Your ego is way bigger than your judgment and your money doesn't make you a decent leader of a damned thing. You run a racist company and I will never let my words drive your bottom line. I'll be doing all I can to convince liberals not to buy your shit. Um, which by the way, like this is actually a very aggressive reaction from this person. This is like somebody freaking out. And then it goes on. So do you all finally appreciate that buying Tesla is enabling the destruction of global free speech? And pumping the ego of an asshole megalomaniac who is next or, or, or who, who is the next DFG. Do you get that now? Stop giving him your money. What's a DFG? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Probably Hitler. I don't know. But <laughs> it, again, it just exposes what is what is Musk said he wants to do about tw with Twitter. Yep. He wants to make it a more free a, a platform with more free sharing of information. And the people that are opposing that 
are opposing it because they know that free sharing of information will be bad for them. And you know what's what's amazing about this and, and where it's absolutely falling flat is there's no way that people can read these things. Like, read these reactions and not see um, that the left is basically saying, no, 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 Americans are too stupid. Yeah. Like, that's the crux of the argument. Americans are too stupid and cannot be allowed to evaluate information on their own. It cannot be allowed. Right. Because if it's allowed, people will learn all of the, will learn about all of the evils and corruption of the left-wing movement, and that will destroy the narrative. It's the same thing. I mean, we've seen it for years. Every The entire basis of Black Lives Matter isn't completely false and relies entirely on selectively edited media clips and the news regurgitating, well, the cops are just shooting black guys. And every single time, it turns out, no, the guy was a like multiple repeat felon who tried to assault the cops. It's the same as... Ah, but Alan, sorry, real yes. quick. H- how do you get that information? How do you find out that the person's a repeat felon that actually has like horrific, like a horrific rap sheet, like holding up a pregnant woman by putting a gun up against her stomach? I have to listen to alternative media sources that frequently get banned for sharing exactly (laughs) that information. If I want to find out about what's in the COVID vaccine, I have to listen to alternative sources because the mainstream ones are lying to me. If I want to learn about... The Hunter Biden laptop story. I have to follow alternative sources because the mainstream ones are trying to cover it up. If I want to learn about the pay-for-play scandals with Hillary Clinton, I have to follow alternative sources because the mainstream ones are covering it up. And this is the source every single time. So I think you've made the perfect case of this is why you're seeing the reaction that you're seeing from the left. Yeah. I mean, this isn't... I don't think that this is even the least bit dishonest, biased, spun, or anything. The reaction that you are seeing is we cannot let the opposition, you know, if you're a liberal, we cannot let the opposition have an equal voice in the town square because it will threaten our power. Yeah. Like... Weird, I, I, I guess that what, what shocks me about this and what, what interests and fascinates me about this story is how strange is it that there's actually so many like liberals that are kind of sitting up in the, the upper crust and are um, um, influencers in political thought that it, that can actually acknowledge that they would lose if people were allowed to equally evaluate information. Yeah. How are you a part of an ideology that's terrified of people hearing an alternative argument? How do you not wake up in the morning and be like, well, okay, actually, I'm sorry. I'm rationalizing this like a regular human being, like you or I or anybody in our audience. And and I, I can already answer my own question. How is it that these people don't feel guilty or bad or whatever? And it's because they think you're all stupid. They think that, well, we can't let them hear right-wing arguments because Americans are all just so dumb. Oh, they're so right. dumb. They, 
they will fall prey to all of this disinformation, mm -hmm. which hilariously is the opposite of the truth. I, I had the misfortune of clicking on a CNN YouTube link talking about the situation in Ukraine. And I watched it for about five minutes and thought everything being said here is not true. They have some retired brigadier general saying like, well, you know, the Russians. I was like, this is not true. This absolutely is. None of this is really true. Well, they're just going to keep attacking civilian areas. And, you know, they have this many troops and they're all low grade and they're, you know, being beaten back. It's like <laughs> none of this is actually true to the real story on the ground in Ukraine. This is this is disinformation. And it's it is egregious that they call that they label the other side disinformation. But that's the point. The, the point is to is say it's disinformation. Thus, if you hear it, it's dangerous. People will come away with bad ideas if they listen to this disinformation. And again, I think a lot of the effort there is to poison the well to make it impossible to have an actual discussion because someone trying to support the left will go down this chapter. Well, how do you know what you believe isn't disinformation and what the man on CNN said was disinformation? How can you prove it? Blah, blah, blah. And by the time we're done with that argument, you know, we've moved on to the next big current thing in the news and we have to start the discussion again. Well, yeah, and it, it gets it gets absolutely fascinating because, um, well, one, yeah, it's like, oh, you know, my fact, the fact checkers said blank. And it's like, yeah, the fact checkers are a bunch of lying liberal shitheads. Um, yeah. But on top the of it, it's like the fact that they even established themselves as, quote, fact checkers was a effort intentionally designed to make it so they could lie to you without you noticing yeah they they called themselves experts because liberals claim everything that they do is experts and you which by the way for those of you who don't know it are are you never offended if you have an opinion and you've come to this opinion and you're talking to somebody and you kind of know that your argument's doing pretty well. And then they turn around and go, well, actually, I studied XYZ in college. So I really don't think that you like you should be doubting what I say. That person's yeah. a dick in any social circle. Nobody likes that guy, right? That is literally liberalism. Everything they do is, right. oh, well, we're the experts. You have to agree with me because I'm an expert. And you're too dumb. But to your point, um, with the the information spectrum and and everything else, well, I can't remember the point I was going to make. So I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry, I I I, uh, I I got too I got too excited. Um, no, but but with that being said, like they are terrified of the idea of people being able to see alternative arguments. Um, they're terrified of the idea that that people would kind of come to different conclusions and they want to sit there smugly and tell everybody what they can and cannot hear, what they can and cannot see. Which is just absolutely fascinating because in reality, you are sitting here hearing liberals say that it is fascism for you to be able to hear something, for you to be able to see something. Is that landing, yeah. like, is that argument actually landing with the majority of Americans? Do you think that it is a good sell, for lack of a better term, do you think it is a good sell to the American people to say, 
We need to decide what you can and cannot hear, read, and watch because it might be dangerous for you to hear, read, or watch something, you know, something that doesn't go along with it. I think that this is a, this is where you're, this is the schism between the average Democrat voting American and this activist class. I think this activist class they're the ones that are trying to clamp down on free speech. They're the ones that are trying to shut people up. But the average Democrat voting American, they were tricked. They were tricked into believing a lot of this. And the way they were tricked was they were told, if you are a smart, high class, good person, then you'll believe all of these things because you're so much smarter than all of these dumb people that believe the bad things. And that's what a lot of dem regular Democrat voting Americans, that's how they were tricked into believing the lies. When you tell those people, you can't hear all of these things and you need to, we, we, will, we cannot let you hear these things because it's disin dangerous disinformation that you need to not hear. The, the response from those people is going to be, I'm sorry, I'm a good person who's super duper smart and way smarter than all the dumb people. That's why I believe all the Democrat things you want me to believe, because I'm so smart. I believe the Democrat things. I have I of all people can listen to disinformation because I'm so smart. I will know what is different information and what is not. And that, I think, is where the. That's, I think, where all of these efforts to trick people in the population to believe things that are wrong are going to come back and bite the left because they, the way they wormed it into people's brains is they made people adopt it consciously by saying, well, I mean, you could believe anything, but if only really smart people believe what the left has to say. And everyone went, I'm a, I want, I'm a smart person. Don't confuse me with all of these dumb people. I'm super smart. I'm going to believe those things. And then they went, yeah, good job. Good. You are smart, aren't you? Yeah. Look at you voting for Democrats. You're very smart. You're so much smarter than those people in red states. And now people believe that and they, they don't know they've been lied to is the biggest thing with Democrat voting Americans. They don't realize they've been lied to. So they actually do think that they're super duper. They're smarter than everyone else. And that's why they believe in the Democrat things. And that's why those people are going to react to this and say, I mean, hold on. I'm smart and we're all smart Democrats here in the room. We should be. You can't just make it so I can't see this stuff. I'm smart. You're, it's essentially you're implying that I'm too dumb to know what's disinformation and what's not. Uh, hold on a minute here. That's insulting. And I think that's where it's going to be a really, really hard sell to regular Democrat voting Americans that they need to shut down free speech. Because the Democrat voting Americans don't understand how they've been lied to, but that also means they don't understand that that it means they, they don't really understand that by the uh, the admission that if they are exposed to these things, they'll they'll actually maybe change their opinion. It's like they're all the victims of a bunch of psyoping and understand it. And the people that lied to them and tricked them know that they're actually all just sort of, you know, regular people, not super smart. Like, oh, gosh, we can't let you see this because you will fall for it. I'm like, no, I'm super smart. I'm not going to fall for it. Like, oh, yes, you will, which is why we can't let you see it. And that's not going to go over well. But I think this is, exposes the divide. 
There's regular Democrat voting Americans who are normal people who were just tricked. And then there's this rampant activist class that knows that they've been tricking people and knows they need to maintain that. And that is getting harder and harder. It's harder and harder for them to stay invisible. And this essentially all of the uh, this fight over Twitter is exposing that there is this core group of activists, corporations and billionaires that are actively trying to maintain this illusion to trick people. And they are a very separate and distinct group than the people that are getting tricked. No, it is a hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's absolutely fascinating. Cause this is, like I said, this is going to fall like a lead balloon. People are not going to be able to accept it. And weirdly enough, we have a clip here um, of morning Joe on M on, on Microsoft NBC. Um, Cause apparently I need to say that out loud, uh, but morning Joe on Microsoft NBC uh, reacting to the idea of, Elon Musk buying Twitter. And this is the second time that we've heard Mika Brzezinski make this argument, but just have a, have a listen real quick um, to what she has to say and her, were her reaction. Trump voters and are still Trump supporters. They go, yeah, you guys are going crazy. He's doing, what are you so surprised about? He's doing exactly what he said he's going to do. Well, and I think that the dangerous, you know, edges here are that he's trying to undermine the media, trying to make up his own facts. And it could be that while unemployment and uh, the, the economy worsens, he could have undermined the messaging so much that he can actually control right. uh, exactly what people think. And that if, is the that is our you, job. Yeah. If you look at the issues. He could control what people think. And that is our job. Yeah. And this is not the first time that on Morning Joe, they said sentiments like this. Mm hmm. Now, what's amazing is in the beginning of the clip, what you notice is um, Joe Scarborough is talking about his favorite person in the world, the guy who gives him the biggest boner. Um, and he thinks about the minute he wakes up, even though he sleeps next to Mika Brzezinski, um, which is Donald Trump, uh, because that's that's his concern is Trump. To be honest, that is actually a large concern of the left is there's this concept that if Elon Musk comes back to Twitter or if he takes over Twitter, then Donald Trump will be allowed to have a Twitter account. And if you're a liberal, you believe that the entire reason why Donald Trump won was because he lied to people on Twitter. Hmm. Which is a stupid argument and isn't true. Now, if social media was powerful. It was an area where there was at least the specter of equality for the most part, because there was not as much content um, limitations heading into 2016. Social media was an area where a lot of people could share a lot of information and they hate that. And the idea that Trump had a Twitter account that was exceedingly popular. I mean, just remember during the Trump presidency, um, we would joke around about the fact that if Trump tweeted every major journalist in the United States had to have had an alert on their cell phone. And when Trump tweeted, you would see them immediately react. It didn't matter if it was the middle of the night. These idiots would have like an alarm go off because Trump tweeted and they would have to spaz out and froth at the mouth and lose their lose their goddamn minds because Donald Trump tweeted. And 
and and this shows such a insane fear and it shows uh, by the, oh that that was the other uh that was the other thing that I wanted to bring up um <clears throat> amidst all of this by the way of the supposed quotey thing uh, the quotey fingers the uh uh it, the private company that is Twitter um interestingly enough uh what is it let's see the SEC and the Justice Department have launched a joint investigation on regulatory regulatory issues at Tesla this same week just days after Elon Musk uh tri- purchased a majority stake in Twitter and is trying to purchase it uh, the the message is clear from the US government if you interfere with the mechanism that we are using to control what people think we will use the power of government to hurt your business yeah real real private company there where the u.s again this is this truly exposes the rot that's going on within the united states is it things like this that show it's like yeah no the, the 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 u.s government so here here's all the players that are getting involved in this you have corporations like BlackRock, which own way have way own way too much money and have way too much say in U.S. politics that can own, that fund a lot of activism. They are a major shareholder in Twitter, and they're upset about this. You have a Saudi prince who's very upset about this. So a bunch of foreign billionaires ha- own a stake in Twitter. And all these activist groups are very upset about this. The U.S. government is getting involved, very very upset about this. So clearly, all of those groups are coming out of the woodwork and exposing that they are not disparate groups with their own independent motives and powers. That they are all they see themselves as a single unified block. That is operating in concert. So there is no, there should be no distinction in what BlackRock wants versus what the U.S. government wants, which is what these, all these activists want, which is what all these other billionaires want. They are all operating in concert and they know it. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's that whole deep state thing that everybody, it's really funny because uh, the left no longer debates that there's a deep state. Now they're saying, well, if there is a deep state and it's stopping people like Elon Musk, then then I think it's great. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, yeah, because it just got revealed that you guys all work together. The Democrat Party, the supposed party of the workers, is shilling for a Saudi prince and two gigantic investment firms. Yeah. Like the same type of investment firms that crashed the housing market. Yeah. Like real weird. And and you know, a big part of why there, it was funny because that, that clip from morning Joe actually hinted on it. Mika Brzezinski accidentally said some of the quiet part out loud because her concern was that if Elon Musk took over Twitter, especially during a time of unemployment and economic uncertainty. You see, this is what she's worried about because I don't know if you guys have noticed it. It has not gone well um, as far as uh, information operations go, but the, um, the left wing 100% like the, the narrative that the Democrats are trying to push is for example, one of the most popular ones is Joe Biden has created more jobs than any president in their first two years of an administration. Except when you look at the numbers, he still has not reached how many jobs there were, like how many, how many people were employed. Joe Biden still has not reached the employment numbers of 
the Trump presidency. Shocking. Like, but they, they still make those claims. Also, everybody can, you know, everybody sees how much gas prices are. Everybody sees how much food costs. That's what actually terrifies the Democrats the most. They are sitting in a position where they have done so poorly and Americans are like legitimately suffering and none of their excuses or bullshit like propaganda is landing with the American people. Not a single person believes this is a Putin price hike. Yeah. Everybody's like, no, it's Joe Biden. This is Joe Biden. No, no, uh, guys, it's uh, it's because of of Putin. Why can't I get what? Like, why can't I buy stuff at the grocery? Why can't I get beef at the grocery store because of Vladimir Putin? Is like, do we? I'm confused. Do we buy all of our cows from Russia or Ukraine? Yeah. Like, am I an idiot for feeling that way? Because like, I go to the store. And shelves are empty of all sorts of stuff. And I know that Democrats are telling me it's because of Putin and and stuff like this. And I go, how? Like, why is there no beef because of Putin? That doesn't make any sense. We have the beef. Why can't I get it? Well, and it's like, at the end of the day, if you look at the actual numbers on any of this, you're like, wow, so Putin went back in time and started all of these inflationary trends long before he ever invaded the Ukraine? Because all of this started happening long before he invaded the Ukraine. It started when, it's like, so wait, Putin went back in time and canceled that pipeline? Putin, Putin, wow, Putin has agents inside the Federal Reserve that printed what is it? Something like 60% of all dollars in existence were printed by the federal reserve in the last two years. Like we did this to ourselves. All of this is the fault of the U S government, every single bit of it. And they're trying to blame Putin because it's a convenient fall guy. And they don't have to admit that they completely wrecked our economy with all of their nonsense, COVID measures with their irresponsible spending, with printing money, with canceling all of our energy independence, their their nonsense put us in this situation, and now they're trying to blame Putin so they don't get blamed themselves. Again, remember, this is an election year, and that can't go and that can't go unnoticed. Yeah, well, and the thing that they actually fear the most, which is, oh God, the right wingers are going to be able to prove that they were correct, and we can't have that. Yeah. Oh no. No, I mean that is the biggest fear. The biggest fear is the right wing can never be correct. If if the right wing comes together and says the sky is blue, they will trot a scientist out to lie to people and say that it's not. Yeah. Or they'll be like, "Actually, it's refraction from the ocean." Blah, blah, blah. Like somehow you cannot be correct. Because they're terrified yeah. over the idea of anybody even hearing what you have to say, which should probably make you suspicious. It certainly makes me suspicious. I am very suspicious. So full of suspicions. Okay. So there's a quick short story that I do want to get to, and it's, um, I'm actually going to, uh, bounce it off of a comment here from HDX soldier, uh, which is uh, Putin price hike is such a boomer cringe message. 
that is aimed at obviously retarded suburban moms. Um, wow. So, so speaking of messages that are aimed at suburban moms, Nikki Freed is a uh, gubernatorial candidate uh, that's running against Ron DeSantis in Florida. She's like the only Democrat in Florida. And uh, she she wants to be governor of Florida. And a couple of days ago, uh, she mysteriously tweeted. Uh, she put out a tweet that said, I can't believe I even have to dignify this with a response. But sorry, folks, there is no sex tape. And she claims that she claims that there's a rumor going around about a sex tape of her. And basically that the idea here is that there's some sort of blackmail scheme against her claiming that they'll release a sex tape. If she doesn't do X, Y, or Z, I assume like drop out of the race or who the hell knows. So this is all a claim that's, that's out there. And she says that this is, this is what women have to do in politics because obviously, I don't know the patriarchy or what have you. So this story if you look at it is suggesting that supporters of Ron DeSantis or maybe even Ron DeSantis himself is threatening Nikki freed with the release of a sex tape, but it doesn't exist. It's all just a scurrilous, terrible rumor. There's only one problem. The media picked up this story, but they can't find any claim of anyone. uh, They can't find the rumor. They can't find anybody claiming that there's a sex tape of Nikki Freed anywhere except for Nikki Freed herself. I mean, it kind of sounds like exactly what someone that does have a sex tape that's out there and is worried and trying to get ahead of the news <laughs> would say. I mean, that's true, but it it also sounds like the kind of lie you would make up in your campaign to make yourself a victim specifically so you can try to appeal to suburban women by going, look at how big and mean all these men, these evil, angry men are that are claiming that there's a sex tape of me. Isn't that terrible? In hoping that a bunch of white wine suburban moms would be like, oh my God, you stand against them, girl. Yes, queen. 100%. I think that this was entirely made up by Nikki Freed. Either way, it's a very bizarre tactic to pull out. Yeah. I do like this. <laughs> if you have, if you had a sex tape, this is how you get a hold. By the way, just, just real quick. How would have, how would her having a sex tape ruin her chances at election? I don't know. Very suspicious of that. She's not an awful looking woman. I, I mean, in fact, it might help. There might be guys that are like, well, I'm going to be honest. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to see Ron DeSantis naked, but. <laughs> I don't know. Like. <laughs> that that's it just it sounds like BS to me. So I, I, I had to cover it. But um, let's let's jump a little bit into some of the fun virtue signaling that I've been saying, because um, it annoys me. I know I've said that I'm not going to talk a lot about the Russia Ukraine thing because it's super annoying and you all get it. Uh, but there's a sort of a um, a secondary aspect to the Russia-Ukraine business um, that I have to point out, which is uh, there was a tweet that was put out by Adam Kinzinger. So for those of you who don't know, uh, crying Adam Kinzinger is the re- one of the two Republicans that's sitting on the January 6th committee. Um, and he's 
such a cuck to the Democrats that he's not even running for re-election because nobody would elect him in his own red red district in Illinois. Um, so he's not running, but he consistently talks about how he was an Iraq war veteran and you're not allowed to question anything he says because at one point he deployed to Iraq, I think, with a National Guard unit. Wow. Uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm not dogging on the National Guard, but I mean, we were soldiers too, so I guess that gives us the right to make fun of you. Uh, but I have plenty of people who are like, he was a war hero. It was like, oh, okay, guys. He flew a refueler. Like, he flew a refueling aircraft, but let, why, don't, why don't we calm down? Point is, um, Adam Kinzinger is one of those people that has uh, basically been, well, his number one person to hate and go after is Tucker Carlson, which is weird. Because I remember during the Trump years when never Trumpers like Adam Kinzinger and liberals and other liberals uh, would start screaming at the sky if a Congress member or if the president um, specifically uh, ridiculed a journalist. Because that was a threat to free speech and a threat to democracy and a threat to the press. Yeah. But constantly Adam Kinzinger uh, gets super butthurt over Tucker Carlson because Tucker Carlson is pointing out the uh, actual reality of what's happening in Russia and Ukraine. And this upsets neocon people like Adam Kinzinger, who want forever wars. Um, but Kinzinger has regularly offered to send the sons and daughters of Americans out to fight in Ukraine. Uh, but he won't go fight himself. He's too busy uh, being a shitty congressman. Even though he's a soldier, he's a veteran, he's trained. Uh, no, no, no. He doesn't mean he's going to go fight in Ukraine. He just wants to send your sons and daughters to go do it. But, oh, well, how noble and brave of him. But on Twitter uh, this week, he shared a, a picture of him with a big smile on his face, wearing a blue T-shirt that has the Ukrainian flag on it and the outline of a soldier holding... Uh, an M4, I believe, or an AK up in the air. And it says Wolverines. Now, for those of you who don't know, this is a reference to the movie World Dawn. Or Red Dawn. I'm Red sorry. Dawn. Uh, yeah. the, the movie Red Dawn. And this is where there's basically like the United States gets invaded. And then there's a ragtag group of insurgents that fight back. Okay. Right. Um, so he, he's got a big smile on his face. He's wearing a T-shirt. Oh, yay. It's got the Ukrainian flag. Wolverines. Yeah. Um, I was infuriated and let me explain why, why do tell I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to overdo this and I'm not trying to be overly dramatic here, but I want people to understand regardless of anybody's opinion on Russia and Ukraine and everything else that's going on. Um, there is in fact a war. So. Yeah. There is a war, um, which means that there are human beings uh, that are fleeing bombs and bullets, and there are young Ukrainian men who are being killed. There are young Russian men who are being killed. There is a there's gore and there's viscera. I mean, this is this is a war. It's that a we war. Have, we we have not seen. A, a war like this in, in our generation, this is a hundred percent like a real war. This isn't a counterinsurgency, you know, the, the tanks and planes. And I mean, it's, it's, it's nuts. 
But yeah, it, it's a it's a real war, and people yeah. do not. Are the experiences of the United States military in Iraq and Afghanistan were mostly counterinsurgency. The closest, the closest the United States has come to something like what is going on in the Russia with Russia and Ukraine was perhaps the invasion of Iraq in two thousand three, and possibly some of the big operations like the Battle of Fallujah, Mosul. But even then. The bad guys never had tanks. The bad guys never had attack helicopters. The bad guys never had jets. The bad guys never had battalions of heavy artillery. And that is all going on in the Ukraine. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is a real war using real war weapons, which are more powerful than most people comprehend. Modern weapons and modern heavy weapons in the battlefield are an impressive sight to behold and are kind of outside the they're outside what you would the the purview of normal people like you don't realize the the amount of destruction a multiple rocket launcher artillery battery can cause to a city is just is ludicrous but that's real war that's real modern war now like the idea that you can be out there and then just get smacked with a missile from miles away because some helicopter saw you on a thermal camera hovering, you know, close, you know, almost at the horizon. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But that is the reality of what's happening on the ground in Ukraine. It's a real serious modern war conflict. Yeah. And, and just understand, we just watched, let me, let me explain it this way. We, we just watched people like have mental breakdowns because one millionaire slapped another millionaire at a dumb uh, millionaire's award show. Yeah. Okay. You Americans cannot handle true violence. They freak out over it. They're complete babies about it. They want to live in this weird bubble. Sure. Um, this is violence that you 100% cannot like the, the same liberals cannot handle. They can't handle the kind of violence that comes out of a war like this. And Adam Kinzinger is turning it into a fashion statement. Yeah. He's showing off a t-shirt and there's a bunch of people in the comments that are like, Oh my God, where did you get this shirt? And then they, other people were sharing other weird t-shirts. And now I want you to understand this. This isn't about the war. This yeah. is about them. They are making the death and destruction of a country on the other side of the planet about them. They're making yes. it about them. It's pretty gross. How is how is America not disgusted by this kind of behavior? This would not socially be allowed in a in a healthy society. People would look at this and go, "Holy shit, you are gross. What is wrong with you?" Yeah. But but so much of of dumb liberal society is like obsessed over this virtue signaling. Look at me. Like it's like Instagram. They're like making Instagram real life. Yeah. I mean this it's but I like I was talking on our call last night. None of this is surprising and this kind of reaction is absolutely in character. For the modern liberal American. Absolutely in character. Whatever's going on, it's just a way to virtue signal. It's like a Marvel movie. It's all part of this big simulacrum carnival 
that is the world. It's all about virtue signaling and showing how much you care. And none of the, the reality of what's going on never really settles because, and to be honest, most Americans are so insulated from reality that why wouldn't you be this way? Like, like uh, there's no point. Like, there's there's very little drawing people into this reality. The Russians aren't on their doorstep. They don't have to deal with the Ukrainian soldier killing their brother and sending them pictures. They, they're so far away from anything involving the realities of the modern world. They're living, they're living in a fancy condo in New York, San Francisco, or cities on these coasts. They're getting Grubhub delivered every day. They're working from home in their bathrobe. And they get to virtue signal about, I stand with whatever the current cause is. <laughs> I support the current thing. <laughs> yeah. It, it is so... What Weird. I'm sure of. What, what, I, what I do not want to do is do, do not misunderstand me. I am not saying that this was necessarily popular. I don't want you to think that the majority of Americans think that this was like, okay or great. But what it what it revealed to me, it, well, I mean, I, I basically kind of knew it. I just I never thought that people would do it like with death and destruction, right? But it's like, mm-hmm. guys, you were well, and, and it's funny because go, kind of going down the rabbit hole, um, there are companies that are now selling stuffed toys of javelins and Ukrainian aircraft. You can buy. I don't know what to call it. Like it's not a stuffed animal, but you know what I mean. You can buy a stuffed toy to show your support for Ukraine. That's not about Ukraine. None of this helps Ukraine. None of this does anything for Ukraine. In fact, hilariously, the t-shirt was probably made in China and is probably made by a company that's just going to keep the money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like None of this actually supports Ukraine. This is, once again, they all lost the mask. And now that nobody's wearing masks anymore, they need some other way to virtue signal that they're they're a liberal. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. We called Vietnam the living room war. Because the news was able to report on Vietnam like near real time. And so they called it the living room war. But it is far more horrifying now because we were fighting the war in in Vietnam. And so it was wild that Americans could see stuff being reported, you know, in in near real time on what was happening in Vietnam. It's very different now because this isn't the living room war. This is the Netflix war. Yeah. This this is very much entertainment. True, yeah, true. It's It's a it's commodity. Weird. They have turned the 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 battle but and by the way, I can't stress this enough. The US has basically nothing to do with this. But U.S. Yeah. people have turned it into a commodity. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely, I don't know, bonkers and just absolutely fascinating to me. Like, I, I 100%, I cannot get over it. Right. I, I mean, I see a ton of Ukrainian flags flying from people's homes out here. 
which is bizarre. It's always what, it's always a flag. It, it, Black Lives yeah. Matter flag, Pride flag. Now it's the Ukraine flag. Get what the hell, man? It's it's just yet another. I stand with the current thing. Virtue signal. I've been psyoped by a bunch of people that hate me. Nonsense. How do you not? How do these people not have like the mental thing where, first of all, they have to go take down whatever the last flag was. Maybe it was like a, a, a flag of Fauci's face or something. Yeah. Black Lives Matter flag, the trans flag, any number of these. How, how is it that you don't how, – how is it that these people don't like take whatever flag was sitting there down, fold it up, and then go put it in the box of dumb, dumb shit lib flags that you have <laughs> sitting in your garage and not think for a second and be like – Hey, have you kind of noticed that we do this a lot? Isn't this sort of dumb? Yeah. Like, there's no way you don't kind of feel like an idiot. There's no way. You'd have to. But then again, I don't know. It's 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 difficult to it's difficult to know what's going on in the minds of these people. Well, I assume most of it is weird carnival music. Um <laughs> and they close their eyes and they imagine like uh, some sort of like game of Thrones scene uh, where they're all like being worshiped by the poor enslaved people. Um, there, there's, there's a scene where Khaleesi uh, the uh, queen of dragons or mother of dragons. I'm sorry. Uh, mm. Where the mother of dragons is uh, standing amid a crowd of what they, uh, uh, a, a crowd of basically freed slaves and they're all reaching up to touch her and people mm. use that in a meme all the time when liberals say something especially when it's like a white liberal lecturing like black people on how oppressed they are oh uh, i got it and so every time that i hear this like i it's it's that scene because it's the perfect embodiment is them just sitting there <laughs> like look at how heroic i am because I bought a flag on fucking Amazon. Wild. Oh, what else was there, Alan? Oh my gosh, we're 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 in the well, last half hour. Well, we have we did have a report talk just just as a touch on the last bit with Ukraine. There a report came out where essentially uh, NATO is out of weapons. We've been shipping so many weapons to Ukraine, and they've been going through them at such an incredible rate that. One third of the entire U.S. Javelin missile, the entire U.S. military Javelin missile stockpile has been expended in Ukraine. So if the United States was to say right now, get in a war with, I don't know, like China, one third of our most advanced individual anti-tank rockets have are, are gone. They're gone and they've been expended in Ukraine. Additionally, Canada, uh, Canada has no more weapons to send. Uh, Britain is getting close. Germany announced they're no longer shipping weapons because they, 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 they're running out of stockpile to equip their own military. I believe it is either France or Belgium shipped every single SCAR rifle that was used by their special operations to the Ukraine and are now searching to repl for replacements and have stopped weapons deliveries. So the weapons, the anti-tank rockets, and granted, these are not, these are, very expensive. Like the cost of a javelin is more than either of us make in a year. The the cost of a javelin, like the anti-tank rockets in Ukraine, the Ukrainian military was going through what the U.S. had budgeted to the Ukrainians. 
they were going through a week's worth of rockets in a, every single day. Hmm. But the the alternative to this is is Russia still has a massive military presence in the Ukraine. So it sounds like a lot of these weapons were either being destroyed uh, by battlefield attrition or were not being used as effectively as they could have been because Russia still has is still mounting offensive operations. And how are there any vehicles left? Well, either the Ukrainians, either giving the most advanced weapons on the planet to a bunch of untrained conscripts ends up in those weapons not being used effectively, which is exactly, I'm sure, what is happening. And or they were using them on targets that weren't Russian tanks, which also is, I'm sure, what was happening. If I was some Ukrainian dude on the front line and you said, hey, you have an infinite supply of advanced smart AT, like anti-tank rocket systems that we'll just keep giving you i would just i would it'd be kind of like if you have a hammer every problem is a nail mm-hmm. like there's a bad guy there's a sniper up in that building shoot a javelin at him they there's a russian truck driving along the road shoot a javelin at it hey there's a uh there's some a russians in a foxhole shoot a javelin at him and i'm sure that's what's been going on too but it does expose to me just how incredibly irresponsible most of NATO has been with their national militaries. If their stockpiles of weapons were this small, that means they were not being maintained at a level where they could act effectively engage in a war, which means they are not have not been doing their duty as a member nation of NATO to be ready to aid in any kind of military conflict. Because they all knew, well, the United States has our back, and let the American taxpayers build up a giant military of theirs here in Sweden, or here in France, here in Germany, here in the UK, here in Canada. We're going to spend the barest minimum amount of money to make it look like we have a military, but we know the American taxpayers are actually taking the brunt of any real military spending. Mm -hmm. The United States is still shipping them weapons because we have such massive stockpiles, but that's not infinite, and soon it's going to be only the United States. I feel like the Ukrainians are on the verge of collapse. Again, everything you hear from the media saying that they are not is an absolute fabrication. The Russian military in the first few week of the conflict obliterated the standing conventional maneuver forces of the Ukrainian military. All the Ukrainian military has left is a handful of armored vehicles, whatever armored vehicles they can scrounge up from the rest of NATO that being given to them. They still have a somewhat of an air force. And then they have a bunch of conscript militia. They, they cannot mount actual offensives against the mechanized infantry battalions of the Russian military. That is everything you hear to the contrary. Disregard is a lie. The Ukrainians cannot mount an offensive. I think recently they they announced that Maripol has collapsed. There's uh, essentially a huge number of uh, Azov battalion uh, militants held, holed up in an ironworks in, I believe, Maripol. And the Russians gave a ultimatum recently and said they either can, they have this much time and they can surrender and they will be treated appropriately and they will not be killed. But if they do not surrender, we are going to flatten the steel, this steel mill complex with artillery and kill all of them. But which, again, it's a war and this is what happens in war. And I believe that I heard saw this morning, the Ukrainian government has announced that they are ordering the 
uh, Ukrainian soldiers in that com in that uh, center of resistance to not surrender. And they're going to fight to the last man, which, again, it's a war and that happens. But that just goes to show the Ukrainian military cannot mount any offensive, true offensive action against the Russians because the Ukrainian military was obliterated. They are operating as a decentralized guerrilla force that is stalled, maybe can stall Russian advances, much like the U.S. was stalled and slowed down by guerrilla activity in cities in Iraq. But they cannot mount a true offensive. And how much longer can they hold that up? I don't know. But it seems like we're getting close to a point where there will be a full-on collapse of the Ukrainian ability to fight back, and the Russians will just roll right through them. If the Russian goal was not to conquer Ukraine initially, I can quickly see that changing based on the actions of the Ukrainians. They blew up the Moskova, one of the most powerful ships in the Black Sea. Well, that... That ship was lost. The Ukrainians claimed responsibility. The Russians claimed it was an ammo handling incident. Hard to know the truth. But the, Ukraine, the Russians also said, have said they are going to take vengeance for that. They have also been, there's been a lot of reports that have been authenticated of Ukrainian soldiers taking pictures of, Rus of dead Russians in order to find their accounts on social media to then harass the families of those dead soldiers. They've also been a bunch of authenticated videos of Ukrainian soldiers torturing and executing Russian prisoners of war. These things are not going to go over well with the Russian people, and they may they are probably going to demand severe and harsh uh, revenge against the Ukraine from Vladimir Putin. And that situation is, again, None of this is working well for the Ukrainians. So every single person, the U.S. government that you see shilling for the Ukrainians is only shilling for more dead Ukrainians. They shouldn't be now and should have been this whole time pushing for a diplomatic end to the conflict rather than a continuation of military operations that Ukraine will never win and will only end in more dead Ukrainians and destruction in the country of Ukraine. Yeah, I mean, it's very obvious that liberals will fight to every last Ukrainian to ensure that they can still watch a war on TV and buy T-shirts. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that is a that's terrible. Yeah. I mean, that's that's exactly I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not some anti-war peacenik. It's just this is this is pathetic and stupid. Yeah. And of course, like, what's the reaction that we're seeing from the actual like Ukraine, Ukraine government? Well, easy. What's the thing that they've been doing this entire time? Going to every legislature in the world and saying, give me money. Yeah. Give me tank. Give me money. Like, I'm supposed, yeah, exactly. to, I, I'm, I'm supposed to hero worship Zelensky. And he sounds like every Democrat. Well, if we just had more money, maybe it would work. Yeah. If we threw more money at this problem, then, <laughs> then we'd be successful. Yeah. Like, how about you sit down with Russia and get this to stop and stop having your people killed? Or money? I'm doing like, the... No, uh, no, no money. I'm doing the standard voice that we use for the Afghans that would come up every, what was it, Tuesday and beg yeah. us for money. <laughs> my feet my hurt. My friend, my feet hurt. My shoes are shit. Give me money. <laughs> no, I'm not going to give you money. That was a real... That was a real quote from an yeah. actual incident. <laughs> <laughs> My friend, he is hungry. Ooh. No, go away. Give me food. <laughs> no, you give me food. <laughs> so, yeah. 
These are oh the the silly Afghans. <laughs> real arguments Alan and Aaron had with Afghans on card duty. <laughs> <laughs> no, go away. We're not giving you any food. <laughs> yeah, run away. Anyway, um, <clears throat> phenomenal. Um, no, it it it's. It's so dumb, uh, and and I hate it. Uh, a couple of a couple of small stories uh, for some entertainment. Uh, there was a big crypto conference in Miami this week, and uh, they had this cool like cyberpunk bowl that was supposed to look like the charging bowl uh, right outside of Wall Street. Um, but they made sure to uh, castrate the bowl. Because they didn't want to feed into gender stereotypes. Lame. Guys, I don't know who needs to hear this, but bulls are men. So, yeah, they had this big statue and there are no balls on the bull. But, so, it's one thing if they just made a statue and they didn't have balls on it. You know what I mean? It's another thing that they made a statue, it didn't have balls on it, and then they went... We did. We we specifically kept the balls off the bowl because we didn't want to feed into gender stereotypes. You know, like the idea that a bull is a male. Yeah, it. That's not a gender stereotype. That's reality. And so it, it, it's a couple of things. Number one, how dumb is that? Very dumb. Because I don't know about you guys, but. You want to know which one of the cattle is the bull because that's the one you need to watch out for. Yeah. So this is the kind of like idiocracy that gets people killed because they're like, well, I don't know how that bull identifies. Um, Number two, it shows that an entire organization was afraid of offending one person or a few people. That would be so stupid, petty, and pathetic that they would be offended by, I can't believe you put testicles on a bull. This offends me because of gender stereotypes. We should not be, we should not be forming our societal decisions around those people. Like, that is just a thing we should not do. I am concerned because I think the Pelican may have landed on a satellite dish somewhere in Seattle and it is causing Alan to have connection issues up oh, totally because the call just dropped <laughs> just, every time Seattle, a tech hub that is covered in bums and can't even have reliable saddle or not satellite, but can't even have reliable internet connection. How insane is that? And, and by the way, uh, he's calling that hooray. Welcome back, Alan. Welcome, hi. The, uh, Here we go. I was just talking about the pelican nesting in a satellite dish somewhere in Seattle. It, uh, it's currently probably gulping down some large fish standing on top of the satellite dish right in the way of my internet. I'm sure it'll be done eating its, gorging itself on squid or whatever it's got soon, and then everything will go back to normal. But I... <laughs> For the life of me, I don't know what it is. It doesn't make any sense. It's just randomly at various times you're like, and um, for the next five minutes, you don't have internet. Like, ah, uh, <laughs> I have to reset my router, so it's not on my end. Like, 
I will just do nothing, and in five minutes, it'll be like, bing, hey, you have internet back. It's fascinating. Wild, it's, and it makes me so annoyed. Fact check false. There's actually not a bunch of satellite infrastructure running the internet. <laughs> I was just waiting for that. Um, Probably coming. It's, it's a matter of time. Um, I'm trying to remember. There's like this story that keeps itching at the back of my brain, but I can't for the life of me remember what it was. Um, was it Governor Abbott of Texas sending a bunch of migrants to D.C.? That is a good one. So, yeah, that's uh, that's another one I do want to make sure people understand. Is uh, So, the long story short, and I think I have the number right. I think it's Title 42 um, or it's Title 45. I can't remember. I think it's Title 42 um, was a thing that was instantiated by Donald Trump uh, where because of coronavirus, he was like, yeah, we're shutting down the border um, and we're, we're going to stop, you know, migrants coming across. Now, obviously, that hasn't completely stopped it because there were migrants still coming across the border. Um, or, yeah. Now. What's happening now is uh, the Biden administration is considering next month to uh, get rid of that, which is going to result in a bunch of illegal aliens basically forming a caravan and coming across the border uh, because of, of course, uh, of course, why not during an election year uh, do that? And it's 100 percent going to be because they want to get the uh, Republican reaction where people start talking about illegal immigrants and then liberals get to sit there and be like, look at how mean they are. Um, so governor Abbott of Texas, uh, decided to make the decision that he is going to take all of the illegal immigrants, put them onto a bus and send them to Washington, DC. Now that happened this week, but understand it's not the only time this is going to happen because there is going to be a massive surge at the border next month and that this is going to Great. continue to happen. And the whole reason why you do this is now the D.C. government and the Biden administration are going to have to figure out what the hell they're going to do about all these migrants at the border are all the all these illegal immigrants that are coming into DC. What are they going to do about it? Because of course, understand, the you know, District 12, the richest area in the United States, um is not going to have them in their neighborhoods. They're not going to have MS13 gangs in their neighborhoods. They're not going to have a bunch of like uh illegal aliens that can't speak their language are constantly like uh, uh, clogging up all of the governmental infrastructure uh, attempting, you know, clogging up their schools. They're, they're not going to have it there. So what's going to have to happen is the reporting on this is a hundred percent going to be the Biden administration is now going to bust these illegal aliens somewhere else, probably in middle America. Probably in your probably, hometown. Probably to the reddest state they can find. Mm -hmm. And it's going to prove that these people will shill every single day about like, we need to allow like, borders or just an old construct of white supremacy. And, you know, we, we should be letting these poor, uh, these poor people come here and help them. Oh, but not, not, not in my town. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, God, no, no, not, not, not here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God, are we going to hear the taco <laughs> truck argument again? But the food is so good. 
That was a very real and very popular argument on the left, which was like... No, it, it's a terrifying argument, because remember, there was a gentleman whose daughter was murdered by a illegal alien, and his response was something like, well, they just bring such good food. Like, I can't be upset because the food's so good. Mm-hmm. By the way... Um, you don't have to be Hispanic to make tacos. I don't know if you need we to We have that. the recipe. Yeah. Yeah. We got the recipe for carne asada. They can all just go home now. <laughs> ah, we figured out their secret. <laughs> but no, it, it's it's my favorite because it's like, oh, you want to get you want to get rid of all of these these uh, illegal aliens, but you'll gladly eat at a taco truck. It's like, yeah, dude, in American Yes, an American can own that taco truck and probably does. I I don't need illegal aliens to get tacos. To be honest, white people also just make them myself. Yeah, white people. I know how to do tacos. It's it's not an ethnic. There's not some ethnic gift that makes it impossible to make. I mean, (laughs) to be honest, more Mexicans make Chinese food and Italian food in the United States than tacos. Yeah. Yeah, have you, have you gotten Thai food recently? Probably made by a Mexican. <laughs> yeah. In case you haven't ever looked back in the kitchen. <laughs> ah, P.F. Chang's. I wasn't aware that they spoke Spanish so fervently. Um, <laughs> so, best place to ever learn Spanish is a P.F. Chang's kitchen. Um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, so, very silly. But no, I mean, I mean, and and that's it. The the long story short on all of this is the same people, the the same group of people that are constantly shilling about wanting to protect democracy and oh my gosh, threats to democracy. Democracy is the greatest thing, um, ever, 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 are terrified over the idea of anything being democratized, uh, which is simply fascinating. Whether you look at it on social media or where you look at it on on just about anything else. Um, There's always this word that's used by the left, which is democracy. And they act like they are the saviors and protectors and guardians of a democracy until it actually comes down to regular American people being able to have their voice heard, which is what democracy is supposed to be. That is the claim of what Mm -hmm. it is. It is supposed to be a situation in which every voice is heard, except it's inherently untrue because when, the majority of parents went to school board meetings uh, and protested the just obscene uh, policies that were happening in schools all across America. Uh, They wanted those people jailed and called them terrorists and put them on watch lists. That's not democracy. When a group of people protested a questionable election that absolutely had states have their constitutions violated and they went and they went and lobbied their government with their collective voice. They were thrown in political prison and put in solitary yeah. confinement. When people wanted to, when the people wanted to push back against the government having large, taking away their civil liberties over a cough and a sneeze. The FBI created an entire entrapment scheme to attempt to take an entire political ideology and make it 
terrorism to be a conservative, to be a Trump supporter, to be a Republican, to not be a progressive coastal liberal. Mm -hmm. By the way, reports came out. There were 20 FBI assets at January 6th. Real quick, because we don't need to dive more into this because we've already talked about it, and obviously it's like the last four minutes of the program. Just so you guys are aware, 20 assets means that this was not an intelligence operation. You do not put 20 assets on the field for intelligence collection. That's too big of a footprint. Right. So this wasn't about informants, which would be an intelligence operation, and trying to get, oh, we were just wanting to be informed on if there were domestic terrorists. No, no. If that was the case, you wouldn't have 20. Because that's too big of a footprint, it's too hard to organize, and the risks of blowing the operation can become too high. Mm-hmm. Which means you only have that many people if your goal is something other than gathering intelligence on what groups are doing what inside the country. And why wouldn't the FBI use the exact same playbook they were using in Michigan, which has been revealed and was found in a court of law? That the FBI was running an entrapment scheme and the FBI was planning the kidnap of Governor Gretchen Whitmer. It was the FBI's plan all along. And it was politically done to try to slander Trump's supporters right before a national election. So why the hell wouldn't the FBI use the exact same playbook and create a false flag event, which, by the way... You can tell that there was coordination at the highest levels of government for this operation. And I've said this plenty of times before because the reactions and the statements that were made by Democrats in the government after January 6th didn't make sense to what actually occurred. And I've said, I know I said this in January when all of this happened uh, last year was, oh, You can tell that the government failed at whatever operation they were trying to pull off, but they neglected to update the talking points. Yeah. Because when you looked at all of it, you were like, I don't understand what people are saying. They're all pretending like something horrific happened, but like a Trump supporter got shot and that was it. Yeah. And so I don't know what the government was planning. But I think they were planning on somebody dying. Like, mm. let's be honest. Would I be surprised if the FBI, like, okay, I'm going to go super conspiratorial, put on my tinfoil hat for fun and S and G's. But I honestly, at this point, because of how politicized and how pathetic the FBI is and how pathetic the like U.S. government is, I honestly wouldn't be shocked if the FBI didn't have a plan of let's get them to kill Mike Pence because who cares? He's just a Republican, but let's get them to kill Mike Pence so we can start jailing uh, Republicans all over the country. That doesn't sound that crazy. Cause the reactions I mean, that everybody's happening is like something actually substantial happened. And we know that every liberal that's like, it wasn't answer. Like you're a liar. Stop. And it's, by the way, hilarious, hilarious that all the liberals went along with that because now Black Lives Matter can't even protest a police shooting. <laughs> yeah. Like, c- congratulations, activist liberals. You guys can't protest because because uh, 
Joe Biden's in office and you guys all decided that protests were insurrections now. So you have to sit the fuck down and can't do anything. Hilarious. You did this to you and you deserve it. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, that has to be the show for today. Be sure to go over to subscribestar.com forward slash wrongthinkradio where you can become a subscriber for $2.99 a month and help support the program, help us pay the bills. Uh, And other than that, you can also follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook, or as always, uh, if you join our Subscribestar, join us on Discord. I'm Aaron from the East Coast. I'm Alan from the West Coast. And this is Wrong Think Radio. We'll see you all next week. Have a great week, everybody.